بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله We are at lesson number five of our tafsir of the short surahs of the Quran course Walhamdulillah And uh, so far we've discussed the importance of tafsir or rather contemplation of the Quran and trying to understand the Quran And we moved on, we discussed the isti'adha, the basmala, the virtues of the basmala, the importance of the basmala, the status of the basmala Then we moved on and we spoke about alhamd, which was our last lesson we spoke about Alhamd and the, the vast meaning that Alhamd carries and the powerful meaning that Alhamd carries. And <clears throat> we, we basically went through uh, the meaning of the Al. We spoke about a number of things regarding Alhamd. طيب, so tonight we move on, bi-idhnillah, uh, with the help and the assistance of Allah Azza wa Jal. And <clears throat> we will complete the ayah, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, and move on to the next ayat. Um, so we ended off by Alhamdulillah And we said perhaps a definition we could use is That all praise and most beautiful praise Or perfect and most beautiful praise Is Lillah Meaning only for Allah Right? So we said that this Lam in Lillah Is the Lam for Istihqaq Which means that this is um, It means that he is the one who is deserved of all the praise or to him belongs all the praise. Right? So, Alhamdu is for who? Li, Lillah. For Allah. Deserved unto Allah. Belongs to Allah. Right? That Hamd that we spoke about, that status, that, that, that perfect, that great praise, is deserved for who? Lillah. For Allah. So, that's what that Lam stands for. Rabbil Alameen. Lillahi Rabbil Alameen. It is for Allah. The Lord of Al-Alameen, the worlds, the Lord of the worlds, right? The first point that the scholars mention here is, take note of the difference between Rububiyyah and Uluhiyyah. Now these terms we've spoken about last week. We spoke about, you know, the importance of understanding the difference between them. That Tawheed is not just Tawheed of Rububiyyah, rather Tawheed has another category which is Uluhiyyah, right? And it's important to understand the difference. So it's not sufficient that we say that Allah is the Lord, and Allah is the Creator, and Allah is the Provider. That's not, Tawheed is not limited to that. Understand? That is, yes, it's a foundation of Tawheed, without a doubt. But Tawheed is not limited to that. Rather, the next step, once we understand Rububiyyah is, we need to move on to Uluhiyyah. Once we understand that Allah is unique in His Rububiyyah, in His Lordship, that He's the only Creator, the only Provider, the only Owner, and so forth, what does that lead us to? That leads us to worshipping Him alone. Because He is the one, therefore, because of these actions of His, of creation, of providing, of managing our affairs and so forth, this is why He's deserved of worship. Why do we worship Allah? Because He created us. Because He provides for us. Because of these things, He is worthy of worship. Right? And we spoke about the importance of Uluhiyah and Tawheed in Uluhiyah. But notice the difference here. Rabb, He is Lillah. He is Allah. What does Allah mean? Allah means the one who is deserved of worship. The one true deity that's worthy of worship. 
Right? So that's uluhiyya. The name Allah is already implying uluhiyya. Then Allah describes himself by saying, Rabbil Alameen. He is the Lord of the world. So the Lord of all that exists. So there's a difference between Allah and Rabb. You see? So the, the ayah already gives us and points out the difference between uluhiyya, worship, and rububiyya, the lordship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one deserved of worship is now described as the Lord. So we get to the word Rabb. We get to the word Rabb. What does the word Rabb mean? Linguistically, the word Rabb, it means master, owner, or one who sits about correcting and purifying. He is in charge of all affairs and manages the affairs within his kingdom. So a Rabb is someone, a Lord, right? A master, someone in charge, someone who has authority. You understand? This is in terms of the Arabic language. Khair. When used in a possessive or conjunctive Meaning idafa structure, it can be applied to other than Allah. For example, it is said Rabbul Bayt. Right? So when we use it an idafa, those who study Arabic will know what is idafa. You get the mudaf and the mudaf ilay. Right? It's a possessive construction or a possessive structure, meaning uh, the owner of something. For example, so in this case, if this is my house, I can say I am the Rabbul Bayt. I am the owner of this house or the lord of this house. You understand? In this case, in Arabic, it can be used. There's no problem with this. In the Quran, for example, when Nabi Yusuf السلام, when he said to one of his companions in the prison, the one who was to be freed and would, would go and serve the king, he said to him, Udhkurni uh, inda Rabbik. Right? Mention me in the presence of your lord. Rabbik. Of your master, of your lord. In this case, he was not referring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was referring to his, his master, his, lo- his Lord, meaning the one that he was serving. And this referred to, in this case, to that king, not to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because in this case, it's permissible to use the word Rabb. In this case, it means the linguistic meaning and not referring to the Rabb of, of everything. Okay? The word Ar-Rabb in an unrestrict, in unrestrictive way can only ever be applied to Allah. There's only one Rabb in terms of unrestrictedly, right? In, in a mutlaq way, there's only one Rabb. When we attach it to something like the, the Lord of this house or the Lord of that particular slave, for example, or the Lord of that car, for example, then it could be applied to a person. There's no problem in this because it's restricting it to a certain item. He's the owner of that item. But in an unrestrictive sense, it can only be applied to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is also one of the names of Allah. Ar-Rabb is one of his names. Ar-Rabb is one of his names. And means the one who nurtures and sustains all of his servants through regulating their affairs and granting all types of favors and blessings. So Ar-Rabb is one of Allah's names. He is the one who is our owner, he's our master, he's our Lord. And he's the one who nurtures. This is part of the actions of the Rabb is the one who does tarbiyah of his slaves. Right? He nurtures his slaves. He, 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 he creates them in stages. So they are nurtured as they grow. As they grow in their knowledge. As they grow in their lifespan. They are nurtured throughout their life. And Allah provides for them. He sustains them. He looks after them. This is the work of Ar-Rabb. Okay? In a, in a very uh, simplified way. Again, you can refer to the cause that we, we, we spoke about. Fiqhul Asma'il Husna in our previous cause. We went into detail on the name Ar-Rabb. Tayyib. More specifically, he is the one who nurtures and sustains his awliya by correcting and purifying their hearts, souls, and manners. 
This is why their supplications are frequently made with this noble name because they seek this specific nurturing. So Allah is the Lord of all of mankind. He sustains all of mankind. He nurtures all of mankind. Muslim, kafir. No difference. But when it comes to his awliya, when it comes to his believing slaves, those who are closest to him, then his nurturing is of a special nature. That tarbiyah is of a special nature. He takes care of them in a special way. You understand? So much so, he purifies their hearts. The tazkiyah to nafs, for example. He purifies their nafs, their souls, and their akhlaq and their manners. And of course, he, he purifies their aqidah, their belief system as well. So they become pure in their belief. And they become muwahidun, the people of tawheed. Those who don't only believe he's the only Rabb, but they also therefore only worship him. You understand? They only worship him. So this is a special type of tarbiyah that comes from Ar-Rabb. A special type of nurturing that comes from Ar-Rabb for the believing servants. For the believing servants. Tayyib. So we move on. Al-Alameen. Al-Alameen. What does the word Al-Alameen mean? Okay. Al-Alameen is the plural of the word Alam in Arabic, which is itself a plural, but it has no singular. So Al-Alameen is a plural of the word Alam, which has no singular. What does it mean? Al-Alam generally means the world. Alam. Right? So you get the Alam of the ins, Alam of the jinn, Alam of the malaika. The world of the jinn, the world of humankind, the world of the uh, the angels, the world of the animals, the fish in the sea. This is all regarded as an alam, as a, as a type of world, as a type of environment and so forth. Um, to simplify the meaning of al-alamin, Imam Qatada, rahimahullah, he said, al-alamin is the plural of alam and it refers to everything in existence besides Allah. And this is the best way to understand this word. It refers to everything in existence besides Allah. كُلُّ مَا سِوَ اللَّهِ فَهُوَ عَالَمٌ Whatever there is in existence besides Allah, that's regarded as as alam. That's regarded as an alam. So whether it's in this world, whether it's in the heavens, whether it's in the in the universe somewhere in some other planet, it's, it's, it's in existence. And it's besides Allah, so it's part of the alam. It's part of the alameen. It's part of the worlds. This is why generally this word is translated as the worlds, the Lord of the worlds, right? Another translation we could use is He is the Lord of everything in existence. Of everything in existence. You understand? So Allah is Rabbul Alameen, the Lord of every single thing in existence. Be it in the heavens, be it in this earth, be it in the ocean, be it wherever. Allah is the Lord of that thing. This is what this, this word or this phrase Rabbul Alameen means. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All perfect praise is for who? Allah, the Lord of all that exists. The Lord of all of the worlds and whatever it contains. Thus, He is the Lord, Master, Owner and One in charge of all that exists. With His perfect Rububiyyah. He is the Rabb. This is the work of the Rabb. He is the Lord Master, owner, creator, creator, provider for every single thing, thing in existence. He's the one who nurtures them. He's the one who looks after them. With Allah's perfect rububiyyah, with His perfect lordship, His attributes of perfection, He is the owner and one in charge of every single thing. Right? His rububiyyah is perfect and thus includes all of His names and attributes. Again, we are speaking about His Rabb, His rububiyyah. It's perfect. 
Yani the way Allah creates, He provides, He looks after, there's no weakness within it. You know, if we are, um, if we have something in our possession, if we have a family, for example, we have a house that we maintain, for example, we have a, whatever it may be, right? Is our rububiyah in that specific sense, is it perfect? Do we, you know, are we perfect in, in the way that we look after our family, in the way that we nurture our family, in the way that we provide for our family? The reality is we are, we are imperfect from every angle. But the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks after creation, the way He looks after everything in the world is absolutely perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And this is why this name Ar-Rab is an extremely powerful name. It's an extremely powerful name because it's vast in its meaning. It includes all of his names and attributes. What does this mean? Ar-Rab includes Al-Khaliq. It includes the name Al-Khaliq. Because as the, as the Lord, he's also the creator. By necessity, he's also the creator. It includes Ar-Raziq. Because by necessity, he's the, he's the provider. It includes Al-Mudabbir. It includes Al-Malik and Al-Malik, the, uh, the owner and the king. It includes all of Allah's names and attributes. So Ar-Rab is one of his most powerful names. It is one of his most powerful and most comprehensive names. The word, the name Ar-Rab, right? So his Rububiyah is perfect and therefore it includes all of his names and attributes. I hope this makes sense, bi'ithnillah. This part of the verse also proves that Allah cannot be described as being everywhere. This is another aqidah benefit, another benefit in terms of our belief system. This ayah, it proves that Allah is not everywhere. So there's a, a misconception amongst many people. When we say, you know, where's Allah? They say Allah is everywhere. You understand? And perhaps what they mean is, inshallah, their, their meaning is not that He's physically everywhere. Right? The answer to this question, where is Allah, is that Allah is above the heavens and above His throne in a manner that befits His, his, his perfection. There's a hadith in Sahih Muslim where a slave girl was brought to the Prophet and her Rabb, her master at the time, he, he, he had smacked her. And he came and he brought her, he went to the Prophet and said, look, I committed a sin, I, 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 I hit this woman, what can I do to make up for this? He brings, the Prophet bring the woman to me. As he brings the woman, the Prophet asks her two questions and he is basically testing her iman. The first question he asks her is, Ain Allah? Where is Allah? And she says, Fissama. Allah is above the heavens. The next question he said is, Who am I? And she said, You are the Prophet or the Messenger of Allah. He then turned to the man and said, A'atiqha fa'innaha mu'mina. Let this woman be free. Make her a free woman because she is a true believer. Right? This hadith is in Sahih Muslim. So it's an authentic hadith. The hadith clearly proves Allah is where? Because the Prophet asked her, where is Allah? As to test her iman. And what did she say? Allah is above the heavens. Tayyib. So our belief is the same as the Prophet Sallam, and the same as the Sahaba, and as the same as the Quran. The Quran says, Ar-Rahman wa al arsh istawa, that Ar-Rahman, he rose up above his throne. He is above his throne, free and separate from creation. This ayah, Allah is the Lord of all that exists. Right? What is Al-Alamin? Everything in existence besides Allah. So He cannot be within His creation. He is separate from the creation. He is the Lord of the creation. He is the Lord of all that exists. He cannot be within the creation and therefore we cannot say Allah is everywhere. It's, a, it's, a, it's an incorrect statement to make and it's definitely a dangerous belief to have to believe that Allah is everywhere. That means Allah is 
with me. That means Allah could be within me. That means Allah could be within, you know, in the, the places of filth and dirt and so forth. And this is not befitting for Allah Azza wa Jal. When I Billah, so we distance ourselves from this type of belief. Rather, we say Allah is above as He Himself said. As Rasulullah himself made very clear, and as this verse also proves, Allah is distinct and free and separate from His creation. He is above His creation, completely separate from Him, from, from it, and Allah knows best. Tayyib. So, to summarize, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, from what we've said, from what we've discussed, is to say, all perfect praise and thanks is due to Allah. And this, of course, goes to, back to Alhamdu. All perfect praise and thanks, because we said hamd includes shukr, is due to Allah alone. Who is Allah? The one worthy of worship. Is due to Allah the one who is worthy of worship. Rabbil Alameen, to whom belongs complete authority, and whose instructions are carried out and fulfilled in all of the worlds, which is all that is in existence besides Allah. Based on what we discussed in detail, we discussed al, al we said Al means something, we said Hamd means something, Li means something, Allah means something, Rabb means something, Al-Alamin means something. To put all of this together into one phrase, right, what, to, to summarize it, you know, very briefly, what did we say? All perfect praise and thanks is due to Allah, the one worthy of worship. To whom belongs complete authority and whose instructions are carried out and fulfilled in all of the worlds. Where do we get this part from? The word Rabb. He's the Lord. He's the owner of this world. Hence, his authority, everything belongs to him. There's no authority, there's no governor, there's no authority, uh, uh, person in authority besides Allah. And nobody can overrule his decisions and overrule his, his rulings, his qada and his qadr. Nobody can overcome it. Hence, we said, part of being the Rabb. To him belongs complete authority and whose instructions are carried out. Allah's commands and instructions are carried out. Nobody can stop it and fulfilled in all of the worlds, in all of creation, which is all that is in existence besides Allah. This is what the word Al-Alamin means. So, subhanAllah, we see now the power of Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. You know, we went into some detail. Yes, um, perhaps we won't remember all of those details. But insha'Allah, this shows us the depth of one ayah. This shows us the depth of one ayah. You know, the amount of detail we can go into on one ayah. This shows us how, you know, the scholars thought so deep and how much benefits they extracted. And wallahi, we are only scratching the surface. We are only scratching the surface. The books of the scholars are so, so much deeper than this. And we could go on and on if we really wanted to go deeper. But we also want to, um, you know, Move on and try not to make it too much for ourselves. At least get what's, what's really important. Understand it, comprehend it. Understand the value of this one statement. This one ayah. This is the first ayah. Subhanallah. Yet look at the, uh, the, the amount of detail. The amount of detail that one can go into. And as I said, this is only scratching the surface. Wallahu musta'an. So we move on as time is also moving on. Um, but we will try our best, you know. I don't think that we should rush through the Fatiha, even if it means we take another two or three weeks, as long as we get as much benefit out of the Fatiha, you know, where we can. Um, I think that, that there's khair in that, inshallah, because this is the most important surah and the greatest surah in the Quran. Um, the other surahs most likely we will go through a lot quicker 
and Allah knows best. Right? But we, will not, we try not to cut, to, to cut ourselves short because this is the Quran, you know, this is the, the surahs that we should be knowing deeply, inshaAllah. The next ayah is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. And we've discussed this previously already when we spoke about the Basmala. Bismillahir Rahman Ar-Rahim. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim is obviously mentioned once again, right? So there's no need for us to go into detail into these names, inshaAllah. Ar-Rahman, the most merciful, the most compassionate, or the most compassionate, the most merciful. As I said, um, the translations will vary across the board, right? Um, some say the entirely merciful and the especially merciful. Others flip it around, the most merciful, the most compassionate. Most importantly, what do we understand of these names? We said Ar-Rahman is the one who's described with mercy. His mercy envelops every single thing. Rahmati wasi'at kulla shay. Allah says in the Quran, my mercy covers and envelops every single thing. This is Ar-Rahman. And we said Ar-Rahim is the one who shows mercy. He's the, the shower of mercy. He's the one who shows mercy to creation, to others. Other ulama said, Ar-Rahman is the most merciful, who shows mercy in a general way to creation. Ar-Rahim is the one who specifically shows special mercy to the believers. As Allah said, وَكَانَ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَحِيمًا Allah is to the mu'mineen rahiman. To them he is rahim. So some scholars said, Rahim means the one who specifically Merciful to the believers. Ar-Rahman is the one who is merciful to all. Right? Other ulama even said, which we did not mention, Ar-Rahman is the one who shows mercy in this world and in the Akhirah to all. Whereas Ar-Rahim is the one who shows mercy in the Akhirah alone. Allah knows best. All of these interpretations hold weight. All of them hold weight. It's important to try to remember this. Ar-Rahman is the, the one who we describe as mercy. Ar-Rahim is the shower of mercy or Ar-Rahim also shows special mercy to the believers, like Iman, the mercy of Iman, the mercy of Taqwa, the mercy of Hidayah, guidance, the mercy of entering into paradise, and the mercies that they will experience in paradise comes from the shower of mercy Ar-Rahim. But it's also attached to Ar-Rahman, who is the one who is the owner of the mercy, Wallahu A'lam. Both names are obviously linked to one topic, the topic of mercy. Tayyib, and Allah's mercy is endless. As we said, all of the mercy that we see in this dunya, comes from one branch of Allah's mercy. The 99 other branches will be left for the Akhirah. Wallahu a'lam. Subhanallah. Nobody in reality can understand the great mercy of Allah except Allah. Nobody can understand it except Allah. Tayyip, so we move on. The next ayah, Allah Azza wa says, Maliki Yawmiddin. Maliki Yawmiddin, master of the day of judgment or recompense. Okay, master or owner or king of the day of judgment or recompense again we will see the differences uh, that comes up within uh, the translations a fourth description of Allah this is a fourth description of Allah where are the others Rabbil Alameen is one Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Ar-Rahman is another description it's describing Allah right we started out by saying all praise is due to Allah who is Allah now Allah describes himself as the Lord of of the worlds, or all that exists. Who else is he? Ar-Rahman, and Ar-Rahim, and his Maliki Yawmiddin. This is the fourth description that we find of Allah in the surah. He is the master or the owner of the day of judgment, or the day of recompense. Tayyib, also we learn that Malik is one of his names. Malik is one of his names, which is the fifth name that is mentioned of Allah in Surah Al-Fatiha. 
What are the other names? Allah is mentioned. Ar-Rabb is mentioned. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim is mentioned. Four names. Malik is the fifth. So we've got at least four descriptions of Allah. And we've got at least five names of Allah that are mentioned in the surah. Subhanallah, that's something powerful. You understand? To Allah belongs the best of names. And to Him belongs the most perfect of and most lofty of attributes. One surah that we always recite. How much of these names did we understand? How much of these attributes did we know? Allah knows best. These five names include all of the names of Allah in terms of their meanings. Ya Salam. If we look at the names that Allah mentioned in the surah, Allah, His greatest name. Allah, the name, Allah says, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ husna." To Allah belongs all of the names, the most beautiful names. To Allah belongs all of the beautiful names. They all go back to this name Allah. Ar-Rabb, we said, is a comprehensive name. It means so much, right? It means the creator, it means the provider, it means the one in control, it means Al-Malik, the owner, it means so many things because he's the Lord. He's the one who nurtures, he's the one who sustains, he's the one who protects, he's the one who provides, he's the one who, in so many ways, Ar-Rabb covers so many names. Al-Malik covers a vast majority of the names and so forth. That's Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. Tayyib. Some names of Allah refer back to the meanings of number one, Jalal. Right? If you look at the names of Allah, if you study the names of Allah, you will see that different names obviously carry different meanings, but all of the names are similar to each other. Right? In at least four ways. Or at least they go back to one of four meanings. You can put it that way. Those names of Allah, they refer back to one of four meanings. For example, Jalal. We speak about the greatness of Allah, the grandeur of Allah. Khair. Some names refer back to the greatness or the grandeur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this surah, which name refers to the grandeur? Malik, the owner of the Day of Judgment. This takes us back to the greatness of Allah. Right? It takes us back to the, the greatness of Allah. If you think about the other names of Allah, you can think of many names which will switch takes us back to this meaning, the meaning of Jalal, which is grandeur and greatness. Like Al-Azim, Al-Aziz, for example, exalted in might, the greatest, right? The most strong, Al-Mateen, Al-Qawi, the most powerful. These are names of Jalal, right? In this surah, we've got Malik, which is a name of grandeur and greatness. Uh, some names are names of Jamal. Some names of Allah are names of beauty. Some names of Allah are names of beauty. In this surah, which name is a name of beauty? Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. Beautiful. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Beauty. They show us the beauty of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Khair. If you think of other names, Al-Jamil is one of Allah's names, the most beautiful. Al-Tayyib, the most pure. Al-Salam, the perfect. And so many of, other, of Allah's other names are names of beauty. So many. Al-Wadud, the most loving, huh? and many other names. Then we've got names that speaks about the rububiyyah of Allah, the lordship of Allah, that makes Allah this powerful lord, the perfect lord over all things. In this surah, which name is it? Ar-Rabb. Ar-Rabb refers back to Allah's rububiyyah. He's the lord. Other names? Al-Khaliq, Al-Bari, Al-Musawwir, Al-Razzaq, Al-Mudabbir, Al-Malik as well. Right? Al-Khaliq, the creator. Al-Bari, the inventor. 
المصور the fashioner or the designer الرزاق الرازق the provider المدبذ the one who manages all of affairs وهكذا الرب is the name that refers back to Allah's rububiyyah as for uluhiyyah Allah's oneness in worship that he alone is worthy of worship then his name Allah is the greatest evidence for this for uluhiyyah and there are other names as well that, that many names of Allah refer back to uluhiyyah as well if not all of the names if not all of the names, direct us to the oneness of Allah in worship. And again, go back to the, the course, Fiqh al-Asma'il husna for more details on that, and Allah knows best. Tayyib. So we find in this surah, those names we mentioned all refer back to those four points. Allah's uluhiyyah is rububiyyah, his jamal is beauty, and his jalal is grandeur and his greatness. Amazing that Allah put, he, he, he covered, you know, all of those meanings in this one surah, in this one surah. Tayyip, we move on. Malik Yawmiddin. We look at the word Malik, which translates to the owner. Malik is the owner. And according to other riwayat, Muqiraat, this ayah is recited as Malik Yawmiddin. Malik as opposed to Malik. So the one has an alif after the meme, Malik. The other one has no alif, Malik. What's the difference? A Malik is a king or a sovereign, a king. So Maliki Yawmiddin, the way we in Cape Town, for example, recite, Maliki Yawmiddin would mean the owner of Yawmiddin. Maliki Yawmiddin would mean the king of the day of judgment. The king of the day of judgment. And by the way, that's another name of Allah. According to this riwayah, it's a different name of Allah that these people recite. That the Muslims who recite that riwayah, for example, or those who study Qiraat who recite both riwayat, they will either recite it as the owner or the king. Both is authentically narrated from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But this is another name of Allah, the king. Tayyip. Al-Malik is the owner of everything in existence. That's what his name means. Al-Malik means the owner of every single thing in existence. Khair. And Al-Malik is the king. Whilst everything in existence is his kingdom. Everything in existence is the king, is part of the domain or the dominion or the kingdom of Allah. He is the king of every single thing. The king refers to the one who manages all affairs, has complete rule and authority in his kingdom. He is the master. Right? He, has, he manages all of affairs. Similar to Arab in this instance, has complete rule and authority in his kingdom. And the owner refers to the creator of everything. The one unto whom all will return and from where all has come. If you think of it, what makes Allah the owner of everything? What makes Allah the owner of us? Because He is our creator. He made us out of nothing. There was a time we were not something that is mentioned. Right? Then Allah decided to create insan. How many years ago, thousands of years ago, there was no insan. There was no mankind, no humankind. Allah then decided to create us. Hence, he owns us. If there's anything that you own, how did you come about, come about owning it? You purchased it. Perhaps you designed it, built it out of something. Hence, you're the owner of that item. But ultimately, everything comes from Allah Azza wa Jal. Us, the raw materials we use, every single thing. Hence, we belong to him. Hence, he's the owner of everything. And unto him, we will return. And to him, we will return. This is what makes him the owner. What makes him the king? 
is that everything in existence is his kingdom. He's in charge. It's his rule. It's his decision what happens. And nobody can stop his decision. Nobody can override his decision. And this is the king of all kings. This is Malikul Amlak, as the hadith says. He is the king of all kings. And we can think about Allah's perfect kingship. Think about the leaders in the world today. Think about the kings that we had, present and past. Were they perfect? How many mistakes did they not make? You know, how much imperfection did they not have? In their own city, in their own countries, in their own dominions that they ruled? How much control did they have? How much power did they have? Were they infallible? Were they, were they unbreakable? Were they untouchable? None of them were. Except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we, comp- we cannot compare Allah to creation. But if you think about the kings and how much imperfections they have, think about Allah as the king. And how he controls things to perfection. He owns every single thing. A king doesn't own everything in his kingdom. He doesn't own the people. He doesn't own what their positions. But Allah as the king is also the malik. He owns every single thing. He's in complete control. And this is the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, we are touching on the difference in recitation. How does it affect the meaning? Is there a difference? There is a slight difference. And how should we understand this difference? Take note. And again, these are subtle differences. There are benefits in this. So if we recite it the way it is, we recite it as Al-Malik, yani, who should I say Malik, Maliki Yawmiddin, then the meaning of the verse would be that on that day, referring to Yawmul Qiyamah, Yawmuddin, everything would belong to him and nobody else, the, the owner. He is the owner of that day. Allah is the owner of that day. No one will be able to voice an opinion or enforce a ruling as they used to do in this world. In this world, if we want to say something, we have freedom of speech. We can open our mouths, whether it be, you know, saying something, whether it be typing something these days on social media, we have a voice, right? Different countries have different laws laws and so forth, yes. But on that day, nobody will have any ownership. Nobody will be able to voice an opinion or enforce any ruling or any decision or anything. Because Allah is the only owner of that day. We will not own a single thing. We will not be able to do a single thing. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, On the day, the Holy Spirit and the angels will stand in ranks. Sofs. Sofan. The Holy Spirit is Jibreel. And the Malaika will stand in a row, in ranks. None will talk. Nobody. Not the Malaika, not the humans, not the jinns, nobody. La yatakallamun. Illa, except for who? Those granted permission by Ar-Rahman. By the most compassionate. Waqala sawaba, and whose words are true. What does this prove? On that day we have no authority. We have no right, we have no opinions, we have no nothing. Nobody will be able to say a word except what Allah allows you to say. Except what Allah, except those whom Allah allow. He gives them permission to speak. Because Allah is the owner of that day, there is no owner but Him. Reciting it as Al-Malik, Umaliki Yawmiddin, what does this mean? The meaning of the verse would be that on that day, kingship belongs to Allah alone. And not to any of the creation who before then used to be kings on earth. On that day, there is only one king. There is only one king. Nobody else will have any kingdom. Nobody else will have any authority as we said. Similar to Al-Malik, but slightly different. 
Those who are kings in this world, or presidents, or leaders in this world, or ministers, will have no power. They will have no kingdom. They will have no rule, no authority. They will not vie with each other for power and dominion, exalting in what they had, pompously boasting and about their grandly and trying their best to outdo their competitors. None of this will take place. None, nothing like this will take place. Because there's only one king on that day. Maliki Yawmiddin is only one king. However, on that day, they will come to know with certainty that in reality they are powerless and humiliated and that grandier power and authority belongs in its entirety to him alone. On that day they will realize that they were not, they were not real kings. They were makeshift kings. They were, um, you know, short-lived. They were only there for a specific moment, short period of time. That was it. And their power was limited. On that day they will truly realize that they are humiliated and true power and greatness and grandeur and authority belongs to Al-Malik alone. Maliki Yawmiddin, the king of that day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَوْمَهُمْ بَارِزُونَ لَا يُخْفَى عَلَى اللَّهِ مِنُمْ شَيْءٍ لِمَنِ الْمُلْكُ الْيَوْمِ لِلَّهِ الْوَاحِدِ الْقَهَارِ The day will all will appear before Allah. All of creation will stand in front of Allah. Nothing about them will be hidden from Him. No secrets. Everything laid out to bear, nothing will be hidden from Him. And He will ask, Allah will ask, لِمَنِ الْمُلْكُ الْيَوْمِ Who does all authority belong to this day? To whom does the kingdom belong today? To whom does the dominion belong today? Allah will ask as everybody stands in the open. All kings, all presidents, all leaders, all ministers, all powerful people, all businessmen, the rich, the wealthy, the poor. Everybody standing open, nothing hidden. Allah will say to whom does the authority belong to this day? Lillahi al-wahid al-qahar. To Allah, the one and only, the, the supreme, the irresistible. Subhanallah, this will happen. Because Allah says it will happen. In a hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Allah will fold the heavens on, on, the, uh, on the day of resurrection. Then seizing them in his right hand, he will say, Ana al-Malik, I am the king. Ayn al-Jabbarun, where are the mighty men? Ayn al-Mutakabbirun, where are those who are proud? Where are the proud men? He will then fold the earth and take them in his other hand. And then say, Malik, I am the king. Where are the Jabbarun? Where are the Mutakabbirun? Where are those mighty, haughty, arrogant individuals? Where are the proud individuals? Where are they? Subhanallah. Allah will fold up the heavens. He will fold up the earth in his other hand and he will announce to all, I am the king. Anal Malik. Where are you proud? Where are you arrogant? Where are you haughty ones? Subhanallah. In another hadith in Bukhari Muslim, uh, the Prophet said, Allah will hold the whole earth and roll the heavens up in his right hand. And then he will say, Ana al-Malik, Aina mulukul ard. I am the king, where are the kings of the earth? Where are your kings? Where are these powerful individuals? Where are these guys with the authority and the might and the pompous and the... Subhanallah, this will happen. Maliki yawmiddin. Maliki yawmiddin. On that day, there's only one king. On that day, there's only one king. The question could be asked, why did Allah specify his kingship or ownership to the last day? Yani, is Allah not the king of every day? Is Allah not the owner of every single day and every single moment? Yes, it is. So why in this, in this ayah did he specify the last day? Because on that day, it will become totally and utterly clear to insan, to mankind, the completeness and perfection of his kingship. 
his kingship, his justice, and his wisdom. Just as it will, as it will become totally clear that the sovereignty of the creation has been severed to the extent, extent that the king's ministers, the slaves and freeborn, will all be equal. No doubt Allah is the king and the master of every day, the owner of every day. But on that day, everything will become clear. We are heedless. We are forgetful people. We are negligent. We don't realize the greatness of Allah. We don't realize how supreme Allah is. And especially the proud amongst us, especially the arrogant, especially those who think they are in power. At times, they don't understand the greatness of Allah. They, don't, they forget about Allah's might, about Allah's kingship. They forget that they are only servants of Allah. Subhanallah. But on that day, everything will become crystal clear. And this is why Allah is emphasizing it in the surah. On that day, His perfect kingship, justice and wisdom will become totally clear. And His, his rule of creation will become completely clear. And all of their rule that they had will become clear that it has been severed, it's been broken, there's nothing left for them. All of them yielding to His greatness, rendered incomplete, in complete submission to his magnificence, expectant of his recompense, hoping for his reward and fearing his punishment. This is what's going to happen. Even the kings on that day, they will be hopeful for the mercy of Allah and they will fear his punishment, waiting for his recompense, his justice, his hisab to take place. Likewise, Allah says, يَوْمَ لَا تَمْلِكُ نَفْسٌ لِنَفْسٍ شَيْئًا وَالْأَمْرُ يَوْمَ It is the day no soul shall be of any benefit to another whatsoever. For all authority on that day belongs to Allah entirely. On that day, no person can benefit another person. No soul can benefit another. Not in any way. Nobody is going to help you. Nobody can help you on that day. All authority. Wal-amru. All authority. Yawma idhin on that day is lillah. It belongs to Allah. Authority on that day belongs to Him alone. He is the owner of that day. He is the master of that day. He is the king of that day. And he has no partner. Thus, we should put our hopes in Allah and ask Allah alone for intercession. Here's another aqidah benefit from this ayah that we need to learn, that we need to keep in mind. Our hopes, our trust should be in Allah. We should not put out our hopes in anything but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tayyib. And shafa'ah. Shafa'ah is intercession. Should not be sought from anyone but Allah. We spoke about this in our talk we did on the tafsir of, of Ayatul Kursi in Ramadan. We spoke about this issue there. Because Allah in Ayatul Kursi says, There is none that can intercede on his behalf except those whom Allah permits, those whom Allah allows it. So this ayah again highlights that on that day, there's only one king, there's only one master, there's only one owner. Meaning, if you want intercession on that day, if you want someone to stand up for you and intercede on your behalf, or something to intercede on your behalf, we should hope and put our hopes in Allah. We should ask Allah for intercession. We should ask Allah for the intercession of Rasulullah. We know that Rasulullah is going to intercede on behalf of the believers. But to get that, we need to ask Allah for the intercession. Right? This ayah is another proof 
that intercession is in the hand of Allah alone. Because he's the only one that has any authority on that day. So there's a notion among certain, uh, you know, groups of Muslims, like among some of the Sufis who believe that their shaykh, their leader, he will intercede for them. This is known amongst them. That if you take bay'ah to the shaykh, if you, if you submit to the shaykh and you follow, you pledge your allegiance to the shaykh, you follow his tariqah and his path and his way, he will intercede for you on the day of Qiyamah. Some of them even say he will intercede in your grave and he will give you the answers in the grave and to different levels of extremism, Allah musta'an. But this is a known belief that they believe that the shaykh will intercede for them. And this is complete batil, absolute falsehood. Because the shaykh himself will not be able to benefit none, not even himself. And we don't know who will give shafa'ah. Only Allah knows who will be able to give shafa'ah to others. Only Allah knows. So whomsoever claims that he can intercede, you should know he's a liar. You should know that he's someone who is making things up and he is not true to his word because the Quran is very clear on this mas'ala. Right? And again, we went into a bit more detail uh, when we discussed the tafsir of Ayatul Kursi. Alhamdulillah, you can refer to that for a little bit more detail on the issue of shafa'a. Shafa'a needs to be sought from Allah, put your hopes in Allah, attach yourself to Allah, not to any person. We hope for the intercession of Rasulullah, that he will intercede on our behalf. To get this, we have to follow the sunnah. To get this, we have to follow the sunnah and stay away from major sin and stay away from bid'ah. Because those are the things which will prevent the shafa'ah of Rasulullah from the believers as the hadith in Bukhari and other places mention. So, even this we have to ask Allah for shafa'ah. To ask Rasulullah for his shafa'ah is not permissible. It's not permissible because it's a type of dua which is for Allah alone as we will discuss later on in and as we have discussed previously when we spoke about uluhiyah and that worship is for Allah alone. We move on to the word ad-deen. So we spoke about Malik and Malik. Yawm means day, right? So we're not going to go into too much detail there. Yawm means day, like Yawmul Qiyamah, the day of Qiyamah, the day of standing, or the day of resurrection, the day of Ad-Deen. What does Ad-Deen mean in this ayah? Yawmul Deen, Malik Yawmid Deen, the Malik of the day of Deen. What does Deen mean in this ayah? To keep it simple, the day Ad-Deen means the day of recompense, and reckoning jaza and hisab jaza and hisab طيب. it is the day of jaza which means the day of recompense and reckoning hisab and reckoning hisab we know what hisab means right hisab means the day of reckoning which means the day when Allah we stand in front of Allah and our account will be taken right Allah will reckon with us based on our deeds our book of deeds will be brought forth the good deeds go on the right hand side of the scale the, left, the bad is going to the left hand side of the scale. The scale will weigh our deeds. Whatever is greater, if our, if our, if our uh, good deeds outweigh the bad, we go to Jannah bi'idhnillah. And if it's the other way, we may go to Jahannam. Wa na'udhu billah, we ask Allah to protect us from that. Right? But the day at deen is the day of recompense or the day of hisab. Others say the day of judgment. Right? Because this is a type of judgment. Recompensing of your deeds is judgment. Hisab is judgment. Hence, the translation, the day of judgment. Both of them are correct. Both of them are correct. Day of recompense or the day of judgment. Both of them are correct. They are both correct and Allah knows best. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kalla bal But no, in fact, you deny the final judgment or recompense. You deny the final judgment 
or recompense. Right? Again, there's, there's difference in translation. Um, what is the day of recompense? If you check the end of that surah, you will get to this ayah over here. The last ayah says, What will cause you to understand or, 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 or understand what is the day of Ad-Din? What, and then what will cause you to understand what is the day of Ad-Din? Then Allah says, Allah then describes Yawm din as the day when no soul will benefit another whatsoever. All authority on that day belongs to Allah entirely. This is the day of Ad-Din. The day when recompense takes place. Other ayat where Allah mentions the day of Ad-Din. Right? Have you seen the one who denies the final judgment or the final recompense? In another ayat, so at the end of Wattini was Zaytun, Allah says, uh, Now, what makes you deny the final judgment or recompense? Tayyib. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Surah Nur, Deen is mentioned. On that day, Allah will pay them in full their deserved recompense. Their deen will be, recom- will be paid in full. Right? And they will know that it is Allah who is the perfect injustice. Abdullah ibn Abbas, the famous companion, radiallahu anhumah, he said, explaining this word, Yawmuddin, he said, the day on which the creations are judged, the day on which creation is judged, the day of resurrection, hence it's judgment day. He said, he will recompense them for their actions. So, it's the day of reward or recompense. If they were good, then it will be good. If you did good, you will get good. Khayran fa khayr, sharran fa sharr. If you did evil or bad, it will be bad. Right? And this is why, this is what recompense means. Where Allah pays you back. Right? We're going to put it that way. He will pay you back in full for your recompense in true. Right? Meaning, whatever good you did, you will see it and Allah will reward you with good. Whatever bad you did, you will see it there with you. And either Allah will punish you or he may forgive your sins. And that's what the Abdullah ibn Abbas says, except for that which he forgives. For indeed the only order on that day will be his order. As Allah says, Indeed, unquestionably, to him belongs the creation and the command. To him belongs the creation and the command. Meaning on that day there is no order but his. There is no instruction but his. There is no decision but his. So if Allah wants to forgive you for your sins, he may do that. If Allah wants to punish you, he has every right to do that. Because of your, of your, of your evil. Likewise, your good will be rewarded with good. This will take place on that day. This is the day of Ad-Din. Hence it's the day of recompense. Where you get recompensated for your good with good and your bad with bad or with the forgiveness of Allah. Hence is the day of recompense. It's also known as the day of judgment. So, the Qari, the reciter, the one who recites this ayah, should try and keep in mind all of the occurrences that will take place on that day. Ya Salam. When we recite this ayah, what are we supposed to be thinking about? Number one, we should be thinking, reflecting over the owner, the king of the day of recompense. So this ayah, we should be thinking about that day. This, we should be thinking about Qiyamah. We should be thinking, number one, from the time people will stand up from the graves. People will be brought to the, the place of standing, the place of resurrection. 
and people of paradise will be entering paradise, the people of Jahannam will be entering Jahannam. We should think of all of this. We should think of the scale. We should think of our books, our books of deeds that will become and will be read to us. We should think of Allah questioning us. We should think of so all of the realities of this day. Wallahu musta'an. It's a scary thought. It's a thought that should bring about fear, naturally. And it's a powerful ayah. Allah is the only master of that day. He's the only one in charge in that day. He's the only owner, the only king. Nobody has anything else to offer. Nobody can benefit you. The authority with him lies with him alone. It's only you and your deeds and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you had hope for Shafa'a, you should have put your hopes in him and asked him and lived accordingly and so forth. So this ayah, without a doubt, is an ayah that brings about fear. Maliki yawmiddin. And this we'll touch on in the next lesson, inshallah, the issue of fear. But no doubt, when we recite, we should think, Maliki yawmiddin. You know, Allah is the owner of that day. And we should think about something on that day so that it brings about some type of fear within us. Because fear is important. We should have fear with us at all times. We should not become heedless and negligent. And again, this will be, will be touched on in the next lesson, bi'idnillahi ta'ala. But the point here is, we should think about the yawmiddin. The day of recompense. If I do good now, I will see good. If I do bad, I will see bad. Allah may punish me. And I will be deserving of that punishment. Hence, this, this ayah should wake us up. should bring us out of our ghaflah, our heedlessness. Where we don't pay attention. Where we just go with the flow. We should be reciting this ayah with tadabbur, with contemplation. And bi'idnillah, this ayah is going to, you know, uh, uh, give life to our iman and our hearts. And we come back onto the right path, bi'idnillah. And we understand the greatness of Allah, the grandeur of Allah through this ayah. There's only one king on that day. Subhanallah, picture Allah rolling up the heavens, folding up the earth, and announcing to all, I am the king, where are the kings of the earth? Where are your kings? I am the king, where are the haughty ones, the proud ones, the arrogant ones, where are they? Think of this day. Liman in mulkul yawm, Allah says in the Quran, to whom does the kingdom belong today? To whom does the dominion belong today? To whom does all authority belong today? Lillahi al-wahid al-qahar. To Allah alone. Al-wahid, the one. Al-qahar, the supreme and irresistible one. Subhanallah. This is an ayah that should bring shivers to us. This is the power of this one ayah, Surah Fatiha. It should bring shivers to us. And this is what we should be thinking about when we recite this ayah. The greatness, the grandeur of Allah. That should bring about some fear. And secondly, a different type of fear when we think about Yawmuddin, Yawmul Qiyamah. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to protect us and to guide us and to make us of His sincere servants who take heed and who recite the surah, especially the surah and the entire Quran with ma'ana, with understanding, with reflection, with contemplation and to be of those who act upon the surah and specifically the surah and the rest of the Quran. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Indeed, we will stop here today. Again, we've taken, we've finished off Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. We've just uh, ran through Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. And we covered Maliki Yawmiddin. Alhamdulillah. Khair. So next week, bi'idnillah, we will cover the next surah, or the next ayah rather. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'een. And this is another powerful ayah, which has a lot of hikmah in it, a lot of miracles in it, a lot of finer details in it. And there's a lot to discuss on this ayah. And perhaps the week after that we will finish off Surah Al-Fatiha, if Allah wills, if Allah guides us. But more importantly, we ask Allah to make us of those who understand this powerful Surah, who 
truly recite it with reflection so that the power of the surah penetrates our hearts. If, if a surah al-Fatiha is not going to penetrate our hearts, then what part of the Qur'an is going to penetrate our hearts? And this is why we spend some detail, as we said, on the surah, because it's the most important surah. There's no doubt it's the most important surah. And as we are going through it, we are seeing all of the finer details coming out, all of the, the great benefits and fawaid and fruits of these details. Every letter, every little, um, every little word has so much power behind it, so much meaning behind it, subhanallah. So, bi-idhnillah ta'ala, we ask Allah again to make us of those who ponder and reflect and understand this surah and the rest of the Qur'an and of those who act upon it, amin rabbal alameen. And we ask Allah azza wa jal to make us of those who are saved on the yawm din on the day of recompense from his torment and from his punishment and to make us of those who will be successful on that day whose right scale and right book and scale of good deeds will outweigh the bad deeds. And Allah wipes our slates clean and he does not even do hisab of us. So we ask him for no adab and no hisab. And we ask him to grant us the shafa'ah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on that day that we be with him in Jannah, in Al-Fiddaws al-A'la, in the highest part of Jannah. Amin rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka. وأتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته